Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, with myself and my co-host, practicing financial advisors, meaning that we spend time with people like yourself, helping them plan their financial f- futures, but also we broadcast here on the weekends to help you. We try our best. We do try our best. We try our best. Most of the time. It's hard. Most of the time we try. Huh? Most of the time we try our best. I can't say I'm always trying my best every time I do on the program. That's correct. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can't be on 100%, Scott. You're only human. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, I don't get my, I, if I'm honest, I don't give 100% at everything I do. I don't give 100% at my relationships with my kids. I don't give 100% at my relationship with my wife. I don't give 100% of my personal i mean yeah okay why am i talking about this this is a financial program you're like like this is like on air counseling if you've got a counseling problem you need (laughs) solve. uh anyway we got a great program lined up we got um a good guest the second half we've got some questions uh from our callers like you and if you want to be part of our program 833-99-WORTH will get you on the show or you could go to questions at moneymatters.com, moneymatters.com. Yeah, email us, questions at moneymatters.com. There, um, and before we start, so Pat, I'm sure you followed the story about this guy in um, North Carolina, Greg Lindbergh, who had um, he essentially bought these insurance companies and raided them. Yes. And he was in federal prison. He was indicted, and his... <laughs> His eviction was overturned. Now he's back out, yeah, yes. living in the living luxury in Miami. The problem was, there um, these annuity these insurance companies are in receivership, and so they're not paying any benefits to the, the people that bought the annuities. These annuities. So it's very similar to you making an investment. You think it's there. It might be there. It's not there. It kind of shows up on a statement, but you can't get to it. There's no liquidity involved. And this Greg Lindbergh, it was interesting. It, it kind of got buried in the headlines when it happened because there was so many other things going on. Yeah, I don't even know we talked about this guy. Yes, there's so many things that are going on. You were talking about the one last week or the week before about the, the guy Stanford in Sanford, Sanford yes. in Texas. That Stanford. Was a, Stanford in Texas. Yeah. The guy Stanford I don't even remember his first name now. I already forgot It, it was him. such a big deal, but because he was overshadowed by the Madoff, it didn't. Yeah. And these are more of the same. So this guy named Greg Lindbergh went out, raised some money, and then used basically money from one insurance to buy another insurance company, to buy another insurance company. It was a then, shell game. And then looted it. It was like, watch... The ball, the moving ball here. And and the the thing that to kind of remember Allegedly, because I guess he's been <laughs> He was in and he out was, of prison. He was in federal prison on bribery charges and I was he was released um when the appeals court overturned his conviction and a retrial scheduled for this November. But he was just indicted recently on some for something else again. Yeah. But the the point being here is they these people bought this is what the saddest part of the story was. There are 70,000 holders of annuities through these insurance companies, totaling $2.2 billion, and they're unable to withdraw their money. So unlike Silicon Valley Bank, you think about the differences here, right? Silicon Valley Bank, that went under a few weeks ago, the majority of the depositors were, uh, it was either startup money from uh, venture capitalists that were funding these companies. It was their working capital. Or it was actually the accounts of venture capitalists. That was in there. Rich people. Primarily. But the government stepped in and made it whole. Immediately. Not even having to wait a week. Not but, a day, not a week. But 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 this Lindbergh, and these were- These people are waiting years. These were with small, no-name insurance companies. They weren't the big names that have been around- well, they've been around for years and years, but they were small little insurance companies. The saddest part about this, Scott, I did read this article last week, a couple of articles on them. The saddest part was many of them were sold to bank customers yes. at banks. 
So there's a woman or a there's man. There's two stories in this story. Right? One is stay away from the like the second tier, third tier. If you're going to buy an annuity at all, first of all, you've got to question why. But if you're going to, why would you use the second or third tier? Well, the, like one of the names was Colorado Bankers Life Annuity. That sounds pretty reputable. It's right in Colorado. The Rockies. It's probably been around 100 years, but it was super small. If you're going to buy an annuity, buy one from the Hartford or MetLife or Allianz or some of the big, big companies. But the saddest part was they were sold. Many of these were sold by bank brokers. So you go, this happened to my grandmother years ago. My grandmother said, um, I was doing some estate planning. This has got to be 20 years ago. I was doing some estate planning with her. And I'm like, give me your ass, where are your assets? And I'm like, well, what do you got? And she had all these little annuities. And I said, where did you get these? And she said, well, the bank, the bank. I bought them at the bank. I'm like, you, you know, these don't have anything to do with the bank. And she said, no, no, I bought them at the bank, Patrick. It's my grandmother telling me this. I said, well, how'd this come about? Well, I went to the counter. I had a bunch of money in my bank account. And the, the teller said, you know, you should talk to Bill over there in the corner. And I sat down with Bill and he put me in this. And the interest rate was higher than what the bank was giving. It's exactly how these people this are sold. It's exactly this. what it was. And not some of them were not little accounts. Half million, 700 million, uh, half million, 700,000 million dollar accounts where these people have no liquidity in them. Now, so, there's cat. So there's an insurance company pool similar to FDIC insurance, not quite the same, that insures these account balances up to $250,000. But people can't pull their money out until um, actually, until the insurers are put into liquidation. They're not in liquidation. They're, this Lindbergh has been holding off as long as possible to get these into liquidation. So they've been in Never Never Land for four years now. And these poor people can't get to their money. And it's... Uh, for many of them, large portions of their net worth was tied up. So two things. One, don't do business with Lindbergh. Maybe three things. Okay. <laughs> be really careful. Like Annuities, there are a play, time and place for them sometimes. but You should be cynical of things. Speaking of. of and third, it's the, it's the business, Pat, it's the business model. With the uh, brokers and a lot of these small banks. In the, yes. It's because they are paid on a commission basis. It's kind of, you, I hate to say sound crass, but you eat what you kill, right? You, you find, <laughs> you, you, make, you don't make money based on someone's uh, outcome, their success in their financial life. You make money on a transaction. That's still how most of these small bank brokers work. Many of them, yes. Selling a financial product like this to earn a commission. And the, the reason I've always had a problem with besides this, like the challenge is there tends to be a high turnover. So somebody goes in, your grandmother, as an example, goes in, buys this annuity from Bill. It's two years later. She's got a question about that or she wants to withdraw some money. And Mary's that, there now. And Mary's like, well, I don't really know much about that. And Mary's thinking, I, only, I can't afford to spend much time with you because I get paid nothing unless I sell you something. So- it's a screwed Either up Either I'm not going to answer your question or I'm going to try to switch your annuity. It's, uh, I'm hoping most of the banks are moving away from that. But that's that's how it's been. Speaking of of frauds, did you see this in the last? They, it's the Sam Bankman freed. I can't wait till the movies start coming out of this. They, the FTX guy. The FTX. The they, guy looked like he was the most unhealthy 30-year-old. <laughs> I mean, just looked like he could care less about. He, um, they, they think that he took, and his couple of his cohort buddies took $2.2 billion out of the company for themselves. And now they're trying to indict him for trying to uh, bribe a Chinese official with $40 million. You tell me that this guy didn't know that he was like, he's like, well, it was just miscalculations. Look, you don't accidentally take $2.2 billion <laughs> out of your company and you don't accidentally try you to get think anyone thinks million. he's innocent of this. I hope his parents do. <laughs> At least his mother. <laughs> oh, it, but it continues this whole crypto thing. You, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, um, it's not going to end well. Well, the regulators are now stepping up. Finally. 
After, <laughs> good thing. After after billions and billions and billions. billions. Market cap of, of cryptocurrency at its peak was $3 trillion. That wasn't necessarily what was lost, though. You mean if you had something that was worth a penny and it went up to a million dollars and went back to ten dollars, did you did you lose did you lose almost ten million or did you you lose yeah nothing you made ten bucks yes that's my point so people like to measure things from the top of the market the okay. market cap that isn't what somebody lost a lot. a lot of money some people lost a lot of money yeah. because someone actually well it's hard to tell with this because they were actually making their own markets and so driving their own price up by buying their own. Coins with yeah. their own money because they were issuing the coin That's and right. making a market for it. So we don't know. We'll never know whether they. You just never know. In a regulated environment, those that issue the shares aren't allowed to normally make the market for the shares as well. That would kind of be. Uh, it would kind of be against the law. Well, federal regulators sued Binance. It's the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. And two of its senior executives a week ago, uh, yep. they knowingly disregard government uh, uh, laws in the financial markets because they said that the coins weren't weren't securities. They weren't. They're one hundred percent securities. They looked like a security. They acted like a security. They, they raised capital just like they were securities. They traded on an exchange like a security. And I believe now that. Um, the securities regulators are saying, eh, sorry. If it walks like a duck, acts like a duck, it's a duck. Anyway, that'll be more interesting. It will. And as always, if you're younger than the age of 30, you probably have no cryptocurrencies in your portfolio. I was talking to a young man at the gym, and he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm an investment advisor, financial planner. And he said, oh. What do you think of crypto? And he says, I do some investing. And I said to him, I didn't even wait. I said, I bet it's crypto. And he said, how'd you know? And I said, well, because you're under the age of 30. <laughs> that's what you think and investing you say, is. That, that's what you think <laughs> investing is. That's your ticket to financial prosperity. Yes. Well, that's not a fair statement because I know many children under the age of children, the old guy says, I know many children under the age of 30 that do that. But if you were going to guess who makes most of the market, the cryptos, it was the big Hedge funds that got in it early, <laughs> they were big. Let's not pretend that they didn't have a role in this. Oh, yeah. Because they've seen these uh, these boom and bust cycles before, and they tried to get out before the bust, and then the sub-30. So, I did have a conversation with my daughter uh, recently, my 20, oldest daughter. Like she's 27, and this was a year or so ago. I don't know I talked about in this program, where I'm talking to her one day, and she says, yeah, Dad, I... I bought some. I bought some stocks this week. So what? You bought socks? <laughs> I couldn't. Why are you telling me you bought socks? <laughs> right, that's what I'm thinking. No stocks. Like, wait a minute. You bought stocks? Yeah. What do you mean you bought stocks? Yeah, I opened an account at Robinhood, and I bought two hundred dollars worth of stocks. That's what she told me. What'd she buy? Oh, the way, all the crap you can imagine, right? So I'm like, you do realize your father is an investment advisor. Yeah, but like, so anyway, I it was, I saw her a couple weeks ago. And I said, how's your uh, stock account doing? She said, oh, I think it's worth about 30 bucks. <laughs> that was so. right. She should listen to our show from last week where we talked about harvesting short-term losses. Yeah. <laughs> You got my own child. Aren't you glad that it was only two hundred dollars though? Because she didn't have much money. Well, I would prefer that they learn think, on that. Yeah, <laughs> correct. I think if she had some actual, I mean, she's got a Roth and stuff. Had she take, taken some savings, she had, I would have been. A, that was a the, the that two hundred dollars was the cost of the conversation. If she wants to have yeah. conversations it, with her friend, that's probably right. Right? You're probably right. Right? She <laughs> was get, probably getting too much crap for not having a Robinhood account. And yeah. yeah, you have to have a Robinhood account. You're no one. It used to be like puka shells. Now you have to have a Robin Hood. Well, you're too young for puka shells. I had puka shells. Did you have puka shells? Junior high school, I had puka shells. I had the velour uh, shirt, right? Remember that kind of velour, like t t terry cloth velour type yes, thing? Yes, yes, yes. OP shorts, corduroy oh, OPs. 100%. Kind of on the tight side. And you'd have the boxer shorts that would hang out past the bottom. Yes. So a little different than the, like the show in the underwear that yeah. guys do now. Yeah. 
hanging out the bottom would be the... That then, was the look. And then the, the puka shelves. And the flip-flops. The puka shelves and the... Uh, like a mini Jeff Spicoli. Pretty much. Okay, let's right. go to the show. Yeah. Let's... Um, <laughs> Spicoli. <laughs> you got to be under 40 to know who Spicoli is, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to be over 40. I, over 40, I'm sorry. Yeah, not I watched that movie uh, in the last couple of years. Fast it Times at Ridgemont It was quite Hunt. depressing, actually. Fast Times at Ridgemont Well, there was, a, over, there was a theme of an underage girl gets pregnant by an older guy, oh, has Brian. an abortion. The whole thing was like, this was quite disturbing. But the one guy was working at Pirate Pizza. I was moving up the corporate chains. That was very inspiring. Fast times. Anyway, let's go. We're talking with Art in uh, California. Art, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hello. Hey, Art. How can we help you? Hi, Art. Uh, You've got both of us with our undivided attention. Yeah, great. Thank you. I was listening earlier to your annuity conversation, and maybe that'll come up. But my initial question is: um, my wife and I are nearing, you know, the age for required minimum distribution, and I was thinking that we may be better off, since we don't need the RMD income, to um, do a Roth conversion. Probably. How old are you? How old are you? Seventy-one. Both of us are seventy-one. And uh, what's your what's your I- income look like now? What's your where's it coming from, and we're, what's the ballpark? Uh, we've got about you know, a little over twenty k a month in pension. We have about seven k a month in Social Security, and we have about seven k in rental income. And how much do you have in retirement accounts? Retirement accounts, okay. So, IRAs, four hundred one ks. Yeah, uh, we have roughly about one hundred fifty thousand. And that's that's all you have in retirement accounts. I mean, you got a lot of other income sources. Yeah, so yeah, not average, not yeah. that you're. you're <laughs> and so in IRAs, everything it's one hundred and fifty k. Yeah. And do you give money to charities on a regular basis? Yes. Uh, a, I don't know how do you ask this nicely on a radio show. Because the requirement of distribution, if it's sent directly to a, a nonprofit, it avoids your it avoids being taxed. It avoids it even showing up on your tax. And account. your required minimum distribution will not be, gonna be is not going to be large at all. I wouldn't even mess with a. I so if you gave four or five thousand dollars a year to charity, right? Which is a percentage. We don't, we don't, do, yeah, we don't do that much. Okay. Okay. Well, so your required minimum distributions are going to start at about three percent ish. And how old did you say you were? Seventy one. So, okay. I wouldn't worry about it. You're, you're, uh, so you wouldn't worry about, wouldn't worry about converting to Roth. That's correct. Well, if you had a million and a half or two million dollars, I dig into it's. It's inconsequential, Scott. You can yeah. go through the I'm numbers. Just, I'm, I'm looking at what I'm looking at. It's like who? So we don't know what the future tax brackets are going to be, right? They're quite progressive well, today. Right. Okay. But the but the percentage might go up, but the brackets might not change at all. So taxable income looks like we are nearing you know a higher bracket, you know, give or take you know ten or twenty thousand in income, you know, in additional income. Looks like we're going to be well. So between a married couple, taxable income between ninety thousand and one hundred ninety thousand, it's taxed at twenty two percent federal. Then from a hundred. Go ahead. Thank you. Then from 190000 to 360000 it's taxed at 24%. From there, it goes 32%, et cetera. And, and we also have the Obamacare tax at, at, at two fifty. Yeah, so, I think we're at 360 So, look, that bracket at 24% is, is tremendously large. You can take $100,000 a year out of your retirement accounts and – of course, it would be over a year and a half, and still be in the same tax bracket. So, are tax rates going to go up? They could, but I, I get if if this were one point five million, I, we then you you would dig in and just see what to do. And what state do you live in? California. And do you think you'll live in California forever? Yes. I mean, if you feel good about converting some to Roth, convert it to Roth. I wouldn't. Yeah, your your required minimum distribution is 
is really, really, really small relative to the rest of your income. And how would you pay tax on this, on the the, the conversion? We, we, we just take it out of our liquid fund. And how much money do you have in liquid funds? Uh, roughly about 300000 oh, You can if you want. It's not a big deal. And I, and I don't I see the I don't see the tax arbitrage like there. There's no. This isn't. I don't see this as a tax arbitrage. Well, it wasn't so much. It wasn't so much tax, but we again we don't need the RMD income, so we thought we we do a Roth and you know and and leave it for you know our two daughters. Um, and what's their tax situation like? What's their income know. like? Well, do they make uh, three hundred thousand a year like you do? Uh. No, the one daughter is, is probably, you know, uh, in the middle 200s, and the other one is probably, uh, you know, maybe, you know, around uh, 125. So that would be an argument that you wouldn't want to actually do it because they're in a lower marginal tax rate than you are. The, clearly the one daughter well, is. The one daughter is. But, yeah, but, I mean, for we, – well, we thought, again, for inheritance purposes um, – that Roth would go over there at a step up. Yeah. Basis. No, it doesn't yeah. the step up doesn't matter with the Roth. The, the when you when you convert, you have to take some of your net worth today and hand it to the tax man. Right? At your tax rate. So if you're if you're planning on not spending these dollars and there's a high probability of your heirs being in a lower tax bracket, that would make the argument of not converting to the Roth. Because they're going to pay taxes when they withdraw the dollars out at a lower marginal tax rate than you're at. And so it has okay. nothing to do with basis. The basis thing doesn't apply to, to, to qualified accounts, IRAs, Roths, any of that. So I couldn't make an argument there. I just, it's not, you can go through the exercise. You can do the conversion if it makes you feel better and you can pay the taxes on it, but it's not going to change the outcome. You're not going to die with a higher net worth. Uh, in fact, assuming your kids are going to inherit what you've got, they will probably inherit less if you do a Roth conversion that is at correct. the end of the day by the time they all the taxes are figured out. That is correct. By the so. At the end of the day, if we go out 30 years and you and your spouse have passed on and the kids had inherited the money and we looked at the net worth of the estate and you had done a Roth, I would bet money that they would inherit less because Slightly. it's around be almost error. nothing. But- Nonetheless, now the one argument I can make against that, Pat, that would be assuming um, that the investments would be the same because he's got quite a bit in liquid cash, right? But he should have 100% of these dollars in equities. My only. That is correct. So it might, that, How's I, it allocated today? Sorry, I'm sorry, we, lost, or we lost you there no. for a second. How is it? How, how is your cash allocated today here? In the money in the IRA? Um, about two-thirds um, value stocks and one-third aggressive. I, 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 I'm, I'm okay with that. It's all, it's all equity. Would, it yeah. should be all equity. And so here's what I would do. I wouldn't do the Roth conversion, but every year uh, I would, when you hit your required minimum distribution, I would use the IRA to determine what's going to charities. And whether it's 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, whatever the number is, but I wouldn't bother with a Roth conversion. It's, okay. It's a, waste, it's a waste of time and energy. Uh, that was an important answer. I appreciate that. All I have right. another question. All right, fire okay. away. Yeah, make it quick, um, yeah. <laughs> so we've been pitched for annuities, and um, we've heard those pitches before, and I've always you know, sort of not been interested, but um, – this particular pitch, you know, the they talked about some data being, you know, roughly um, quasi guaranteed, you know, double digit income and and doubling of our of our contribution, you know, using the rule of seventy two and you know, and maybe seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, you are the last candidate that I would recommend an annuity to. You have twenty thousand dollars a month in pension income, right? So. Some these annuities, some guarantees in place make sense. Maybe might make sense when people have no other guarantees in place. You're not even going to listen to what the annuity does, Scott. No, I and I know why I'm not going to because they don't have any access to financial products that exist in that aren't available to everybody else. They can't just 
make up something out of thin air. They're insurance companies. Insurance companies are designed not to lose a dollar, right? They're designed to make a profit. They cover losses, but they take in more in premiums than they pay out in losses. That's how they survive. And so when they build financial products, I don't care what kind of product it is, whether it's a life insurance product, an annuity product, they build these products. First of all, they have to go into the marketplace like we all do to invest premium dollars. They have the same fixed income and restraints we've got. Uh, and they have to manage their portfolio in a conservative. So, and why would you use anything in this portfolio where you really don't have much liquid? You've got four hundred fifty thousand dollars between your IRAs and your liquid cash, and you don't need any downside protection. No, right? I zero. Would, no, I, last thing I, you should be buying is, is yeah. Annuity. And stay away from those. You're people. in phenomenal shape yeah. financially. Stay away from those people that tell you about this stuff too. <laughs> yeah, good call. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, thanks for sticking with We're us. We're taking a quick call, and then um, we've got a special guest. Uh, let's uh, talk with William. William, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Uh, my dad passed away a couple years ago. My brother and I inherited the house. As uh, everybody that knew my dad knew was going to happen, and uh, we thought everything was kind of settled, or at least I was assuming it did. Recently, my brother mentioned to me that he wished he could go back in time to find out what my dad meant when my dad told my brother a few times in the last few years of his life that my brother and I would be both be pleasantly surprised when it came time uh, to disperse his assets. And my brother didn't ask what that meant, or if he did, he wasn't told what that meant. But uh, now we're starting to find out that we don't really have any way to find out what that meant. Apparently the will was never probated uh the house went to us my I have a cousin who was the executor of the will although we haven't talked to her uh, well, it wasn't probated because the assets were so small other than the house why didn't we this don't go know uh chalk that up as one of the things we'd like to find out uh we don't know if my dad had some uh sizable assets or or significant assets that uh we didn't know about or that uh, nobody knew about, but he had told my brother that we. Okay. So, so, so every, and who was the executor on this? The, your cousin was, why was your cousin the, the executor and not you or your brother? Do you know? Because the air force kept sending me to different places where, um, because I was in the service and kept getting transferred to different places. Okay. And my brother, uh, was moving around as a newly yeah. married person. So my cousin, who lived in the same state as my dad, uh, seemed to be the logical okay. choice. So how, how long ago did your uh, – uh, sorry, Scott. So first of all, for the rest of the listeners, it, it, location doesn't matter when you name uh, a, a trustee and an executor on an estate. For the rest of the listeners, it, it shouldn't play any role in it. It should be the skill and the ability – to actually perform the function, not where they are geographically located. How long ago did your father die? 2015. Okay. And what did your father do for a living? He was a <clears throat> superintendent for a highway construction company that built a large percentage of the, of the freeways in Ohio. Okay. For 30 or 40 years. And have you, what, uh, what did you inherit? Only a house? He had no other savings? We don't know. We're trying to find out. No, well, you know you inherited the house, though, correct? Yes. Okay, so you inherited the house, and you and your brother disposed my, here's of it. My per, here's, it. here's what I'm a little perplexed by, and here's what your biggest roadblock is going to be. This was eight years ago. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, so everything is relative. So pleasantly surprised, right? I don't know what that means. 
He doesn't know what that means. It's everything is relative, right? So look, I grew up where I grew up, like the guy that drove. We have no rich clients. Yeah, that's right. Regardless of how much money you say, do you do you feel you would you count yourself rich? They might have thirty million dollars, a hundred million. Well, no, I'm not really rich. That guy's rich. That's that's got everything <laughs> right. is relevant. Where I grew up, the rich people actually bought new cars. The poor, the, the not so rich people bought used cars. Never saw a new car in our household ever. Right? That just didn't happen because only rich right. people bought that. That's relative, right? Everything is relative. Um, I, I, I got the only way you'd actually track this down is if you if you pulled up old tax returns. And assuming that he didn't buy annuities or that life be, insurance contracts, that would be the way. It to would it. be in the in the tax returns. So, unless it was a uh, bunch of gold buried in his backyard. Yeah, uh, and the other way is you can search in the state that he lived to see if there was any lost or misplaced assets. Um, which at death, financial institutions are required to turn them over to the state. So, if you really think there was something there, you could actually just go to. You said he was in the state of Indiana. You could go to the uh, what is it the um, Actually, it was Ohio. Okay. Uh, the state of Ohio, just go to the lost assets and plug in his name. Otherwise, I'd let sleeping dogs lie. Unless you could get your hands on a tax return from 2013, 14, maybe 12 and 11, and to see what he was paying taxes on, that would be one way to identify the assets, and that would find everything but annuities and life insurance. I don't know where those IRS. tax returns would be. And then the other place you would go is you go to lost assets, which, by the way, just for the rest of the listeners, you have someone die in your family. Go to the states in which they lived and look to see if there was lost assets in their name. So appreciate right, the call. I wish you well. And by, I was, I've been the executive of two uh, states. One, my, my mother-in-law, who died suddenly at 65, did have a will. Um, did she have a trust? Maybe I think she had a trust. And then my father passed away uh, unexpectedly with a two, literally, two-page will Two-page will that was about 20 years old that still had his previous wife who had passed away listed on. Like, um, the, you still need to go through that. There's still a pro- – whether you've got a will or a trust, there's a process that needs that you need to go through to see what assets are there, what liabilities need to be paid out, et cetera. But after seven, eight years, yeah. I think after a number of years, I, I destroyed all the documents from my um, mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the point? I'm going to keep these things forever in case there's some come, someone comes Claim. back late. I don't, I don't need that hassle in my life. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Everyone seemed fine. The siblings all fine. Everything's distributed. Here's the, it was all reality. I, after the appropriate number of years, I just destroyed it yeah. all. Anyway, enough of that stuff. Uh, you can't, you can't let these things sit too long. That's kind of the bottom. Anyway, we're pleased for our next guest here because um, Eric Chetwood, we've got, Allworth has uh, 120 or so financial advisors in different parts of the country. Um, and Eric Chetwood, I think he he demonstrates, I think, all of our core values, what, what we would really want in a great financial advisor. As um, most of them do. Yes. Well, hopefully all of them do. But not, not only a good financial planner, ethical truly concerned about his clients, a good listener, et cetera. Um, but that's not what I'm not here to talk about what a great guy Eric is. But anyway, Eric, uh, thanks for taking a little time to join us today. Gentlemen, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And we've got Eric on because he's got a new book out. And this isn't, this is not your first book, but this book is retired to the fullest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what, what drove you to want to write a book about retirement? Yeah, so I've um, been doing this for about 20 years. I know that y'all have been uh, in wealth management and financial planning for a long, long time. And about 10 years into my career, I felt like I was just making rich people richer, which which felt really empty to me. And um, I realized through talking to my wife and some friends, I realized that financial planning is so much more than just financial uh, and that I wanted to care for clients in every way that money impacted them. So money impacts people financially. It impacts people emotionally, relationally, and humbly, I would argue that it even impacts people spiritually. Um, and at Allworth, we say that a little bit differently. We say that we want to help clients live rich and meaningful lives. So we want to help them make money, but our big why is 
that we want to help them live rich and meaningful lives. And so that was part of the impetus for the book. And the, it focuses on um, really financial peace of mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you give us a little more insight on that? And on- Maybe an example or two? Yeah. So if, if the best way to describe it in my mind is if you think about a tabletop that's resting on four legs, um, I argue in the book, the thesis of the book is that financial peace of mind is the tabletop. Um, and the four legs, the financial leg is important to be healthy. The emotional leg is important to be healthy. The relational leg is important to be healthy. And the spiritual leg is important to be healthy. And the reason that I say that, uh, I have seen a lot of people retire, and I've seen a lot of people retire with a lot of money. I know that you guys have as well. I would argue that I've seen very few people have real financial peace of mind. And and if I can, Scott, I'll give you two examples, real life examples, just to illustrate how important those components are. Because yeah. a lot of times people think financial peace of mind is just financial. I mean, everyone knows the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, who had more money than he knew what to do with. And yet he had no relational peace of mind. Um, And so his relationship with money relationally was very unhealthy. Um, I have a a few clients, but I'll list one and I'll change her name just because to protect her identity. In the book, I call her Debbie. And I know that um, you guys probably have clients just like this. Debbie is a wonderful lady. She is a delight to be around, lights up the room wherever she goes and has more money, like there is statistically no way for her to outspend her money given her spending habits and the goals that she's articulated to us. But anytime we have a day where the Dow is down 300 points or 400 points, Debbie is panicking and anxious and scared, and she'll call in in a panic, and and we have to soothe her down. So even though financially she has plenty of money, she does not have peace of mind. so in the book, we talk about each of those four dimensions, those four components, and we talk about what health looks like. We talk about some common dysfunctions that we see in clients' lives that I've seen in my own life um, in an attempt to help people live rich and meaningful lives. And so how do you calm the this Debbie down <laughs> um, yeah. in the marketplaces if it happens on an ongoing basis? If, if it's episodic that happens during big market downturns, completely understand, right? Yeah. Or do you yeah. just rebalance the portfolio or what, 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 how, what approach do you take to that? Yeah. So one of the things we like to talk about is, and I'll give you an example. You remember when COVID first came out um, <laughs> and the S&P was down 35% in a month because yep. everybody was scared about uh, what that would look like. Um, Debbie is actually, uh, when I was able to say, hey, Debbie, let's look at our financial stress test. Let's look at our Monte Carlo simulation. I don't use that word with her, but we could, the, the, the financial stress test. And the stress test didn't know that COVID was going to happen. I didn't know. You didn't know. None of us knew. But it knew that we would have about one out of every four years, we would have a down year together. It knew that we would have about one out of six years uh, a bear market where the S&P is down 20%. And even though it didn't know that it would be called COVID, we've already baked in to the plan that we're going to have years where there's a lot of volatility and it's going to be really scary and you're still going to be okay. And that was probably one of the most rewarding experiences of my career, You know, seeing someone like Debbie come in just really terrified. Hey, let's look at the financial stress test and to see the fear lift from their eyes and for them to have um, you know, confidence as they were walking out that they were still on a sustainable path. So we talk about that a little bit in the plan. We talk about how important it is to make a plan that by planning to failing to plan, you're planning to fail, to use the words of Benjamin Franklin. So we talk about the importance of that planning process and uh, and that will help you get through some of those turbulent turbulent markets. And people talk about, I think people look at retirement like the finish line. Right? So I'm I've yeah. talked to Bill before. I've six more years. I just have six more years. I'm thinking, and then what? So, I mean, how do you change a bit of a narrative on that? Like, why yeah, is why point. is retirement held out there as such the great nirvana? Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. It is. I had the same conversation with a, a friend of mine 
he was telling me, he said, I'm thinking about retirement, but I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to do in retirement. And I said, well, then maybe you should not be thinking about retirement. <laughs> sure. And and yeah. so you've worked with hundreds of clients, Scott Hanson, myself. I have seen some people do the greatest job ever in retirement. And I have seen people yeah. actually fall into a bottle and destroy yeah. their lives in retirement. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. This is actually chapter seven around that emotional dysfunction where we talk about um, so many people know what they're retiring to, from. You know, I, I, I built this law practice and and we have a tendency to buy into the lie that what we do is so integral to who we are. Um, and that is a, I, I believe that that is a lie, that we are so much more than the sum of our accomplishments and what we've built and what we've done and things like that. We were made for more than that. So we talk about it's it's really important not to just know what you're retiring from, but what are you retiring to? Um, and we use an illustration. There's a great book called Halftime, where he talks about helping clients transition from a life of success to a life of significance. Um, so we'll ask clients, hey, when you're done drawing your paycheck from an employer uh, and you're starting to draw your paycheck from your nest egg, what's going to give you purpose? What's going to give you significance? Um, because and, and we sort of frame that retirement date not as the finish line, but almost as the starting point of getting to do what you want to do when you want to do it and not have to worry about money. So um, being able to transition from a life of success to a life of significance and helping clients understand what their purpose is going to be um, is is really helpful. And, you know, calling out the lie that uh, you are not what you do, that you are so much more than that, I think is really helpful when clients are making that transition. Yeah. That's right. It's people, purpose, right? <laughs> Financial peace, which is not the amount of money you have. It's the, the how comfortable you are with the money that you do have. And then health. And if you, you know, focus on, you just called it the four legs of a table. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, Eric, your, your book, Retired to the Fullest, how can people get that book? Yeah, so it's it's uh, available on Amazon. It's available at BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, we actually also distribute it through the public libraries. So if your library um, uh, has connections with the Hoopla app for the audiobook or the Libby app, then they can listen to it for free. Um, and one of the things that was really fun for me is they let me record the audiobook. So I know that I have a little bit of a Southern draw, a little bit of a raspy <laughs> A little bit draw. of folks who sound. I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've been told more times than I can remember, probably 40 times, that I sound like Bill Clinton. And I think half the people tell me that as a compliment. And the other <laughs> half <laughs> <tell> <laughs> me Well, I, I <laughs> obviously your heart is in this or you wouldn't yeah. be giving it away. Eric Chetwood oh, yeah. retired to the fullest. So. Retired to the fullest. And thank you, as always, for being part of yeah. the Allworth team. Um, we, we always appreciate uh, the work that you do for our clients and uh, for your uh, times that you come on our show. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Hey, we were going to take one more call here. Uh, we're talking to Bart. Bart, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yes. Bart, how, how can we help? <sighs> well... Unfortunately, this has been kind of a long, drawn-out situation. Okay. Um, uh, wow. It's like 17 years ago, we started uh, 529s okay. for all three of our kids. Okay. We, um, we have twins and then a, 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 and then a, and then a, a single, but he and he's... Uh, I guess like 15 months older. Okay. Uh, we did the same thing like one year later with Utmas. Okay. With what? Um, we got all three done. Okay. Both 529s and Utmas. Oh, oh Utmas. Okay. Uniform transfer yeah. to minor. Okay. Yep. Okay. So then it and, and then so weird enough we were with uh, I guess I, I hopefully I can say the RJ okay company uh huh and they were uh, with a Franklin Templeton Alrighty. everything was fine everything was loaded 
529s and Utmas. Okay. Then we decided, okay, we're going to switch over to uh, uh, the new uh, guy. Um, and that was like uh, around uh, like three or four years later. And so then we moved into – and so that guy only worked with Hartford. Okay. That guy decided, you know, and I don't know what the deal is, but all of a sudden everything went into 529s. Okay, that's okay. That's all right. That's fine. Uh, well, you know, what we really wanted, what really what we wanted was what we had. Okay. When did when when did you put the when did the five twenty nine I'm sorry the Utma accounts go to the five twenty nine three years ago right four years ago no gosh uh, no so uh, around two thousand eleven okay, well, they went from the Franklin. And supposedly they should have okay. stayed. You, so you must you must have you must have, you must have signed something twelve years ago. So what what's I don't understand what the problem is. Why why what's the question? Yeah. What what what? Well, uh, well uh, you know, here you know, we have we have three kids. Okay. We have. Okay, we understand, but what is the question for us? Please? We want we wanted the. Uh, the utmost to be um, utmost. Correct. Know, okay. Where they were technically, but there's no Bart, necessarily there, have to have them in a. Yeah, uh, that, you know, have uh, to spend it yeah, on Bart, college Bart, education. Bart, this happened yeah. 12 years ago. It's, that ship sailed. If there was a mistake made, that should have been brought up. Yeah. 12 years. So, ago. but why? But but I don't understand what the big deal is. In, are, are the kids going to college? Who? Of them will hopefully, yeah. Okay. One and, of them, no. Okay. And how much money are in these accounts? Uh, we got uh, in the five twenty nines. Yeah. We got about a hundred. Uh, well, about two hundred fifty thousand in one of them, and then uh, about a hundred and seventy-five oh, you've, you've on the lot. other two. Okay. And which one of the kids is not going to college? The one, well, in that thing, the one of them that has the 275 is technically been uh, about 75,000 has been tra transferred into an ABLE account. Okay. Okay. And so now that one, were, and, and amazingly enough, his UTMA uh -huh. is technically still an UTMA. And so. Oh, I, I think he's actually in okay spot okay. where he is going to be able. From what we've learned or what we thought we knew, the Utma is doesn't necessarily have to be college education. No, it doesn't have to be anything at all. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be anything at all. It has nothing to Until do with you education. move the money. Until you moved it into the 529, in which place the, the – but but it still remained the characteristics of the Atma inside the 529. But yeah. but now, now th this is how I want you to think about these 529s, right? So that Atma thing is – there's nothing you can do about that. That is – that ship is long sailed. You can move money between 529s. And in fact, you can actually under the the new rules that come out in two years part of this – tax legislation, you can convert 529s that aren't used into Roth IRAs over periods of years for the benefit of the beneficiary. Now, not all of the rules have been written on this yet, but it was, what was the name of that last tax act? The uh, Let's Save America Act tax, yeah. uh, act, gonna, whatever yeah. it was. Save the deficit and, and, the, and inflation. The, the American recovery or whatever. So that money that is left in the 529s doesn't necessarily have to pay a 10% penalty to come out. And remember, and taxes on that, it can now be converted to a Roth IRA. And by the way, just for a little bit of clarification, when they passed this thing, I thought in my lifetime, I would never see anyone that would need to do it until I got this phone call from you. 
<laughs> I thought it was some of the dumbest legislation I have ever heard of, and I still believe that because it affects point zero 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 one percent of the population. That's how it just slipped in there in the final so, hour behind so, closed doors. But but let's just say that that didn't exist. You can still move these five twenty nines around from child to child. And even to grandchildren. You can put your name on them as a beneficiary. So I assume since you have so much money in these plans that the rest of your financial house is probably pretty well built. Would that be a fair statement? Uh, yeah, we're okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what we, what we, what we wanted was the, the Utmas for... I, I know. To be, I know. I know. So that they but could, you somehow tra- maybe the girls could buy a car. Nope. That 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 ship has sailed, and they can still. You can pull the money out, and you can pay taxes on them, and you can pay a ten percent penalty. If if this happened last year, and you say, "Hey, this wasn't this was, or last month, and this was inadvertent. I didn't realize what I was signing." Maybe you can get it reversed, but not after this length of time. But it's not that big of a deal. It really isn't. It really is not that big of a deal. And look, just leave it in there. If they don't spend it, just leave it in there. When this legislation, when it goes into tax, then hire yourself, by the way, a decent financial advisor. <laughs> not someone that's selling you a product. Not someone that's selling you a product with a commission on it that didn't actually care. It was just the easiest thing. Well, maybe they did care. I don't know. Maybe they made a mistake. Yeah, that's where I think we were ended up was it was simple to okay. move it. That's right. But the weird thing is, uh, my son's is still in a. I know, but I understand. But it, that was it, a, it, that was it, an oversight. It is what it is at this it point. Is. There's nothing you can do to change how they're currently titled. But, One thing you can do is a couple strategies like Pat talks about. This, look, this is a blessing in disguise. It is a blessing in disguise that you can actually convert into a Roth IRA. So it, rather than try to fix or be frustrated about what happened years ago, it's, that's take over. And hire yourself a decent advisor. And figure out uh, your best, best path forward. So appreciate the call, Bart. Well, hey, we're about to wrap up here. Just wanted to let everyone know that we've got uh, Social Security virtual workshops April 11th, 13th, and 15th, and go to allworthfinancial.com for all the details. Um, Anyway, we'll see you next week. This has been Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.